ministry doesn't have to mean going insane. At least, that's what the voices tell me. Let's talk about it with Ray Ortland on Steve Brown, etc. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. So glad you're here that you would take an hour out of a busy schedule. Uh, It means more to us than you know and spending it with us. As you know, you always have a place at our table. And in case you were wondering, I'm Steve, the aforementioned old white guy. Matthew Porter, our executive producer, is here. And in this Christmas season, Matthew reminds you that cookie-scented candles are from the devil. (laughs) They promise something they can't deliver on. (laughs) Stop it! That's like going into a bakery when you're on a diet. It's awful. I know. Our producer, Jinx, is in his little glass booth. Jinx says we're two days into December and he hasn't heard that Christmas shoes song yet. <laughs> Just 23 more days to go. <laughs> and our one, by the way, George Bingham is in here. Dr. Bingham is, I was going to say, speaking at a faith conference mm. or no. uh, taking a week of praying and fasting, but actually, that's not what he's doing. He's Picking up a puppy. I mean, their other puppy wasn't even in the grave for a day before they got another one. I'm kind of afraid my wife is going to do that to me. Well, as long as she doesn't put you in the grave. Yeah, well. Our one-man IT department, John Myers, is in his tech bunker. John says some Teslas take up to 12 hours to recharge. And uh, basically the same as a typical adult. (laughs) And Kathy Wyatt is, of course, the soft feminine side of the program. I think secretly she would like to see me work as a mall Santa someday. That would be interesting. Wouldn't that be well, fun? It's confusing that would be children. I look sure. like Santa Claus, but I hate you know, Christmas. And I would awful. go out and recruit people I didn't even know to go to the mall to see you do that. Have you been a good little girl? <laughs> Just kidding. Total depravity. <laughs> our guest today is one of my favorite people and our favorite guest, Ray Orland. He's the president of Renewal Ministries, the pastor to pastors at Emmanuel Church in Nashville, and a canon theologian with the Anglican Church in North America. Actually, he's a missionary, a Presbyterian missionary there. He has authored several books and is a contributor to the ESV Study Bible, Ray's latest book, which I hold. And my nicotine-stained fingers is, you're not crazy, gospel sanity for weary churches. You know, and you experience this, and I have too, uh, people who say we're crazy, 
that we're heretics, that we're antinomian, that we've gone off the deep end, that we should be shunned and silent. And I always make an obscene gesture and say, that doesn't bother me. I'm going to do what God told me to do. But between us, and if you say I said this, I'll say you lied. Between us, it gets to me sometimes, and I began to wonder, God, are you sure? Jerry Bridges sent me a, just not long before he died, as you know, he started his ministry talking a lot about holiness and purity and sanctification, and those were great books. But in the latter part of his ministry, something happened, and he started writing a whole lot of wonderful material on grace. And to his shock, he was attacked all over the country. And I have a penciled note he wrote to me, Dear Steve, are you sure we're right? (laughs) And I told him, I don't know, but if we're not, you're in trouble, or I'm in trouble, and you're not, because I don't think you have a sin nature. But at any rate, it does sometimes feel that we're crazy. And so this morning I've been reading this book as a, well, as a medication (laughs) for me. And Ray, I thank you so much for writing it. Um, What are, this book is going to be good for everybody, trust me on this, but it is better for pastors and church leaders because it's hard to be that these days. Um, what is the problem, Ray? Kind of summarize it, and we'll start talking about it. Okay. Well, I'm guessing that I'm not the only pastor who would say, I've had some fabulous experiences in churches, and I've had some horrible experiences in churches. Um Church experiences tend to to push us into the whatever the extremes are that uh, of what we are. And um, one time, I I reached a crisis in my life. Um, I I saw, and I wasn't the only one seeing it. I I saw ugliness in in a church that had beautiful theology. And. <clears throat> And I realized I, I have to get to the bottom of this. What is what's going on? What how do I account for beautiful theology and um relationships of accusation, um, rejection, undermining, um, and so forth. I mean, this this is crazy. And um and I I had to decide, Steve. Am I going to be the kind of pastor who just turns the crank of the religious machinery, picks up a monthly paycheck, and waits it out till retirement? Or am I going to be a pastor that is going to dig down to what the heck is going on here, and let's figure out how beauty can appear Mm. where once there had been ugliness? So I'm, I'm into this, Steve, because... Any kind of Christianity that doesn't look like Jesus had to die and rise again to create it um, 
even if it's orthodox on paper, I, I'm out. Oh, but man. if whenever I see beauty, commun- the beauty of human relationships, beautiful community in an angry world, man, I know that's where the risen Christ is moving. And that's the that beauty is the very thing the gospel is meant to accomplish. So I went through a crisis. I, I, I kind of broke through to some decisiveness and clarity for myself. And I just, uh, I, I just think a lot of other pastors and church leaders might care about the very same thing. Ray won't tell you this, but uh, that was a very dark time in his life. And he and some friends of his decided they were going to create a church for screwed up people. <laughs> For ragamuffins, for people who had gone through what he had gone, and that's how Emmanuel Church got started in Nashville. Uh, Jesus likes Ray a lot. It was in a slum area, and now it's become kind of the in place. And uh, Jesus did that just because he likes you, Ray. But I went to that church, and I looked back over that congregation, and I thought, you know, this is it. This is beauty. This is where grace is lived out. Yeah. We are living proof that Jesus will take anybody. <laughs> and we're we're we just stumbled into this. We didn't mastermind <laughs> the, 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 the mediocre parts of Emmanuel Church. That's what we did. The great he, things about Emmanuel, we just stumbled into and the Lord just gave it to us. So yeah, yeah, we're we're profoundly grateful. Ray, we are huge believers in His grace. Can you remember the call to worship you gave that Sunday? I was worshiping with you. Give it yeah. to us quickly, and then we'll take a break and come back and talk about it. Here's how it goes: I stand there and I look the people right in the eye, and I say quietly, "To all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort." To all who fail and desire strength, to all who sin and need a savior, this church opens wide her doors with a welcome from Jesus himself. Oh, man. I was ready to leave, and then I decided, I, you know, I can stay here, and uh, that's a good thing. The book is You're Not Crazy. Everybody thinks you are, but you're not, and we're going to talk about it on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. Mm, I mistimed that. <laughs> Sorry, you said don't go it's, anywhere. It, well, yeah. I so know. Nice Listen, is the I'm best. old. I'm doing the best I can. This okay? is the best part now. Now yeah. is when you really tell Let's us what's going on. On what we've learned so far. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep talking until something comes to mind. We can sing a hymn or have a prayer service. Or maybe after that call to worship, even have an invitation. I'm ready. And we would have Kathy and Jinx hum just as I am. And oh, we'll be in the back preparing supper. <laughs> Guys. We're in trouble. This is hard work, and it's worse when I screw up. But I'm going to get it together, so do come back.
Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, chances are your friends and family would too, right? So help us spread the word by sharing a link, clicking subscribe on YouTube. And if you think about it, drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're pretty much everywhere. Hey, is there one called Podblaster? I mean, it feels like there should be, right? But like no E in Blaster. Just Blaster. 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 Anyhow, that's how the colons do it. Hi, this is Steve Brown. And in case you didn't know, one of the main reasons Key Life exists is to remind believers that God isn't mad at his children. Why am I telling you this? Because our weekly email, Key Life Connection, takes the best of the videos, articles, and puts them right in your inbox. We'd love for you to try it. It's free. Go to keylife.org slash subscribe. We're uh, talking to author and speaker Ray Ortland, and his latest book is titled You're Not Crazy, Gospel Sanity for Weary Churches. Ray, you know, when we kind of prepare for this show, we always kind of try to think through questions that will kind of tee up, you know, the, the, the author sharing what the premise of the book is. And then I look at chapter one, and I'm like, oh, you already wrote the question for me, so... Let me pose the question to you, which is literally <laughs> chapter one, which is what is gospel culture and why does it matter? Yeah. Well, we have to put two things together. Um, one is gospel doctrine and the other is gospel culture. Gospel doctrine is, um, that's, that's like on a, a subpage of the church website. You know, we believe in the substitutionary atonement of Christ. We believe in... Um, uh, the grace of God for the undeserving. Uh, we believe that we receive Christ with the empty hands of faith. We believe this. We believe this. It's very, very important. I'm not one of those who says, it doesn't really matter what we believe as long as we love each other. Uh, excuse me, but that is a belief. And that's <laughs> not what Jesus taught. So uh, gospel doctrine really matters. But what I'm saying here is that gospel doctrine doesn't hang in midair as an abstraction. Gospel doctrine is, the whole point of it is to create gospel culture. And gospel culture, if the, if the message of the gospel is God's grace for the undeserving through Christ, gospel culture is an experience of grace for the undeserving together in, in Christ's community. So culture, I mean, what is culture is, is um, uh, hard to pin down. Uh, doctrine, we can articulate very precisely. Culture is vibe, feel, tone, mood, posture. It's all these intangibles that are very real. You walk into a room, you sense immediately what the culture among those people uh, is. And, and gospel doctrine is meant to create that experience of shared wonder and beauty. For example, Romans 15, 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Mm. Now, where's the gospel doctrine there? Christ has welcomed you. 
He doesn't tolerate you. He's not looking at you with an eye roll. He has welcomed you. He has said, come on in here. Come on into my heart. I want you in my life. Now, that is the message of Romans in, in four words. Christ has welcomed you. And the, the culture that, that that creates, when we allow that doctrine to have its own intended authority, the culture that creates is me saying to Steve and Matthew and Kathy and Jenks and others, I don't just tolerate you. I don't just, I don't look at you with an eye roll. Come on in here. Come into my life. I, I welcome you. I am richer and happier with you in my life. And, 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 and when that magic starts to happen, that's when the gospel's really getting traction. That's gospel culture. Mm. We, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say, you know, you talk about culture. I've heard it described as culture is what you allow to exist. Um, and, and even in the business world, they, they get now that culture is not uh, just a, a nice, fluffy kind of thing. It's, it's, it's tactical. You know, the, the phrase is that culture beats strategy every time. Are we, are we behind? Are we, are we slow on the, uh, behind the curve on understanding the importance of creating this gospel culture? Um, well, I was. Yeah. I, I'm just embarrassed that I, I made the mistake of reading some hard copy sermons of mine from the 1980s. I had found a box oh. of them. They were terrible. Mm. And if you had asked me, uh, do you accept the doctrine of justification by faith alone? I would have said, sure, of course, I'm Protestant. <laughs> but I didn't understand. I didn't understand the the person that doctrine is meant to create in me or recreate it. And if Jesus accepts me with my mess, and welcomes me into his grace as I am. When that really lands, I become a more tender, more understanding, more absorbent, uh, more pain tolerant, more cheerful. I mean, a whole lot of great things start happening. And it, I'm just, I, I'm grieved at how long it took me to to see what I now regard as just sort of obvious. I mean, so I'm I'm a complete idiot, and if uh, if other pastors feel like this is really hard, I am specimen A of of how patient the Lord is with pastors that don't mm, get it. Yeah, me too. Ditto. I mean, I, you just say it better than I do, but. Do you think that sometimes uh, our doctrine of sanctification makes us see the gospel culture as a thing that fixes us, and once we're fixed, we have to either pretend that we're fixed if we don't feel fixed, or we've got to teach it and preach it in a way that says to others, this isn't ongoing. I'm fixed, and I and God can fix you too. And if you will come and do what I say and follow where I lead and be what I think you should be, you'll be fixed too. And then we become exactly the opposite of what Jesus wanted. 
or is that way off? Oh, I that's I totally identify with that, Steve. That's very real. And that's when we pastors slowly be, we start hating pastoral ministry. And we need to admit that. Oh, we but if go ahead. No, I was going to say we create a non-safe place for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, once we create that, we got to live it, and that's yeah. hell. And that means we have to start hiding. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't even go with the category accountability. I'm, among with, I'm with you. I don't either. Yeah. I go with transparency because that's mutual. Yeah. It's where everybody opens up and we all put our mess on the table and we share that burden together the way Bonhoeffer describes in Life Together. Man, sign me up for that any day. <laughs> you, you, know, I've all, you know, I've always had trouble doing the accountability thing, but I'm not going to say that. I need this job. And uh, <laughs> so I'm glad you did. Now, I want everybody to know that I don't agree with Ray on that. Accountability is good for you. It'll make you miserable. And, you you know, it can lead to divorce and becoming Buddhist. But it is something you ought to do. Ray was the one who said that it doesn't work. <laughs> and he's right. By the way, the book is You're Not Crazy, Gospel Sanity for Weary Churches. This is a book for you to get and read, and if you're in a small group to study, it's not only true, it's life-changing in a way that will surprise you. Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, would you help us let others know about it? You can share a link, click subscribe on our YouTube channel, or drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks much. Hi, this is Steve Brown, and I'm excited to tell you about a new offer from Key Life called <laughs> Living with Steve. Let me tell you the way it works. I travel with you wherever you go. If you need an entertaining conversation or even a sermon, there I am. That's the good news. The bad news is that it costs a million bucks. <laughs> but wait, there's good news. You can get everything I've just described with the Key Life app. And for a limited time, it's not a million dollars. It's free. Try it now at keylife.org app. Ray Ortland, and by the way, you can forget about Twitter and Facebook. You won't find him there, but but write this down, renewalministries.com. Go there, and you'll rise up and call me blessed for having told you about it. Ray, before the break, we agreed, and we're going to get criticized for it, that we're not big on accountability groups, but transparency groups, that's a different thing. You want to talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, the reason why 
we all care about that is integrity. And we, you know, Colossians 1.10, fully pleasing to him. Uh, that's not sinless perfection, but it is integrity with no compartmentalization. It's yeah. like, I want Jesus to step into everything that I am, because mm. I need him in every area. But accountability, I've, I've seen accountability used to pressure a guy, corner him, uh, belittle him. And I just don't believe in that. That's not how real sanctification works. So transparency is the category that I really respect and want to live in because transparency is mutual. It's, it's back and forth. Everybody's yep. transparent. And for example, it says in James chapter five, this is one of my favorite verses, James chapter five, verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another. That's mutual and pray for one another that you may be healed. So I'm not, I'm not real big on the Roman Catholic confessional, needless to say. Um, but, but I read James 5.16, and, and I have to ask, to whom do we confess our sins? And where does that happen? When? How often? With whom? And when we get together, for example, there are going to be two guys, two men I trust in, in here in my study this afternoon at 3.30. That's our agenda. We are transparent with one another. We practice James 5.16, and it's not coercive, and it's not shaming. It's what it is, is relieving, because there's oh, healing yeah. that awaits us when, we're, when we walk together as brothers in transparency. Oh, man. I've heard somebody I, call that dagger friends. That's true. Folks that can carry a secret, like if they wanted to, they could end your ministry. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's the closeness of stuff that you're sharing with them. Well, that didn't happen with me because I've only been in two accountability groups, and I lied in both of them. <laughs> you know, I don't. they're not safe people, man. I'm not going to tell my story to <laughs> somebody who is, well, never mind. Do you have a question, Kathy? <laughs> Thank you for just leading into that so beautifully. He just lost his saggy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, Ray, I, I, I wanted to kind of go off of what, what it was you were just talking about a little bit, but in uh, in Chapter 3 in the book, um, Coming to the Light, which is the one about uh, culture of gospel honesty, at the end of the chapter, and I think you do it with each, with each chapter, there's a there's a page that's highlighted in gray and there's conversation between yourself and, and Sam, your co-author. And I thought um, this particular conversation there, as you well know, is a conversation about confession. And Sam says there at the end of that, um, someone asked me once, how do you out of the countless numbers of sins in your life, which I thought how presumptuous, how presumptuous <laughs> of someone to say that to somebody, but you know, Oh, well, but it's true. But anyway, um, out of the countless number of sin in your life, know which to confess to your friends. And then it goes on, and he said, for me, it's quite easy. As I'm driving over on a Monday afternoon to see you guys, it's the thing I don't want to share with you. Um, mm. um, and normally that is the clue as to that which I need to confess. Um, that, And that goes back to what you were just talking about, about transparency. That scares me to death. Um, and I and I believe it was in this chapter where you uh, where you expounded uh, even more about 
the transparency and the men's group thing that you started at Emanuel and that kind of thing. Um, that is, that scares me to death. <laughs> well, I, because that's vulnerability, um, you know, and I've mentioned that before. Like for me, I don't do that well for sure, but it, it makes absolute complete sense. But man, how, how on earth? You, that's not something you can just say, okay, I'm going to do that a week from Thursday. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, yeah, I'm done now. <laughs> hey, listen, Ray, let's talk about that on the other side of the break. Uh, we're, we're coming up. Are you sure? Uh, to that, yeah. No, I want to talk about it because I think you have to be careful. That can be very explosive. There's a book by Gerard who, I, he may not even be around anymore, called Transparent Self. And it's not a Christian book, but it's a helpful book. And he says the way you have deep and profound relationships is that you trade off pieces of your soul. If you decide on Thursday you're going to let your friend know everything about you, about which you're ashamed. Billy Sunday said, a sinner can repent, but stupid's forever. And you don't do that sort of thing. But you begin to trade off until you got a friend who knows it all. And you know all about him or her. And then you can dance. Then you can hardly wait until you meet that friend. Then church happens. Then Jesus happens. Hey, guys, this is hard work, but like Jesus, we're coming back. Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, chances are your friends and family would too, right? So help us spread the word by sharing a link, clicking subscribe on YouTube. And if you think about it, drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, we're pretty much everywhere. Hey, is there one called Podblaster? I mean, it feels like there should be, right? But like no E in Blaster, just Blaster, Blaster, Blaster. Anyhow, that's how the colons do it. When Christ promised we could live life to the full, he didn't just mean eventually in heaven, because Jesus didn't come to save us from our humanity, but to restore it. Life with a capital L. Find it now on keylife.org slash store. What if you could start your day by hanging out in God's Word and with some of the most significant theologians, authors, and pastors ever? That's the idea behind the one-year devotional, God With Us. Find it now on keylife.org slash store. Thanks for spending time with us. Uh, we're talking to Ray Orland. By the way, if subscribing to the weekly Key Life email was one of your New Year's resolutions, good news, there's still time. Just go to keylife.org slash subscribe and try it out today. And it's free, so you can't write critical letters um, when you get it. Ray, but... Before the break, Kathy was expressing her discomfort with sharing the things that make her uncomfortable to a Christian friend. And I don't know if I was helpful, and I'll, I'll 
uh, bow to your fixing me. But I suggested that you have to be very careful who that friend is. And if you're a Christian leader, you had better be very, very careful. Evie Hill was one of my great preachers. And I saw him meeting with a bunch of other preachers after, uh, and most of you don't even remember, but the two Jimmies fell publicly and they were discussing the church. And Evie Hill said, I saw what happened to them and it'll be cold in a hot place before you find me telling you where I've been and what I've done. So you do have to be, I mean, you have to build a relationship that makes that possible, don't you, Ray? Or am I wrong? Yeah, it, this has to be a matter of profound trust. And what we discuss as friends is locked away in the vault of our friendship. Yeah. And that's that's the understanding. It has We have to talk that through. But we've got to be vulnerable with somebody yeah, on the face of the earth. I agree. And if I if I look around and I don't think anybody is worthy of my trust, wait a minute. Yeah. Come on. There's got to be somebody. And and if it doesn't look like there is, maybe we can ask the Lord to bring that person. But um, honesty, the only alternative is posing. Mm. And oh, I agree. False self. I want to project the false self. I wish were real, and I can use that false self to sort of advance myself socially and build relationships that is a prison oh exactly the only the only self jesus the only ray jesus uh wants is the real ray the actual ray and and that's where christianity frees us as nothing else can we come together in christ with a trusted friend and we put out on the table what's really going on mm. and how we're not doing well and what isn't working. It is so freeing. Then we can relax and actually start to grow and change. So good mm. and so true. And, and, and where does that lead, you know, that, that living, that, that posing, but being weary uh, at best? Uh, so, you know, I, I, but I think, is there a distinction between, you know, having those trusted, maybe one or two people where you just really go deep with that transparency and, and in a broader sense, just you like, you want people to find out you're a hypocrite. You're like, I'm a hypocrite, everybody, you know, maybe not in the specifics, but going, you know, you're not going to discover yeah. I'm messed up. I'm going to tell you I'm messed up. I, uh, uh, that's why you're welcome here because I'm welcome here. We're on common ground. We're on even ground. I, 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 it feels like even in the broader sense, there's still room, not to that deep level of transparency, yeah. yeah, but kind of back to what you were saying about that welcome. Like, And that is so important because it sends a signal to everybody else around, we can get real here. Mm. And that is liberating to them. Everybody breathes a sigh of relief. Um. It's like at a dinner party when you're with friends and everything's great. Food is great. Conversation is fun. It's hilarious. And then somebody at that table gets real and starts talking about something that's hard in their life. And immediately the room gets quiet. And everybody's thinking, oh, we're going there. Hmm. 
and it's almost a reverent experience. It's a gift. And we can live there all the time. For example, in 1738, John Wesley and Peter Bowler drew up some ground rules for the small groups at, at then at the front end of the first great awakening. And um, my dad showed me this one time. He said, ground rule number 10 for them was that each person in that circle of seven, eight, nine people would disclose the real state of his heart with his several temptations and deliverances since the last time of meeting. Mm. Now, Whoa. those small groups went viral, not because they had ground rules, but because they were willing to talk about the real state of their hearts. And it wasn't self-pity because it was, they said, with their several temptations and deliverances. So here's how I'm failing. Here's how I'm not doing well. And here's how I'm trusting the Lord. Here's how he's helping me. And, and a small group sitting in London in 1738 on a Tuesday night, and they do that every Tuesday night together. Well, no wonder it became revival. There's power there. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And you talk about culture. It feels like when you take this, it's not a magic bullet. It's the long, slow, hard way of doing it. You know, once self-righteousness has taken root, it's really tough to undo it. But the, the fruit of this is, it feels like you're, you're kind of killing self-righteousness in the cradle. I mean, you're, you're, you're creating an atmosphere where you're like, you know, if you want to bow up and you're the one that's got it figured out, you have, you have the floor. But as everybody has said, we're all messed up here. So your move. Gospel culture looks like the Beatitudes. And the first Beatitude sets the tone for all the rest. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not the triumphant, <clears throat> not the self-confident, not the pure, and so forth, but the poor in spirit. So the poor in spirit are thinking, like, what am I doing here? How did I get here? This is amazing. I don't deserve this. And uh, that any, anybody can grow and flourish uh, in that kind of social environment. I long for that. I do, too. And uh, I see it occasionally. Yeah. And, Ray, I've seen it in you for years. And uh, I hate what you went through. I hate that period of darkness and depression and cussing and spitting. <laughs> but, you know, God grew a really great flower out of that hard time. And uh, I'm glad that you would spend a little bit of time with us. Ray, thank you. I know how busy you are. Thank you for taking the time and spending it with us and for being honest and for being a wounded killer. <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> no, a wounded healer. Thanks, Ray. God bless you, brother. Thank you, Steve. Thank you all. Guys, sure. we're going to come back and uh, spend a very short time with you. Uh, telling you who we're going to do it unto next week. But right now, we've been working hard for an hour, and this is really, really hard work. We're going to take a nappy nap and have some cookies, and then we're coming back, and it's our fond hope that you come back too.
Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, would you help us let others know about it? You can share a link, click subscribe on our YouTube channel, or drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks much. What if you could start your day by hanging out in God's Word and with some of the most significant theologians, authors, and pastors ever? That's the idea behind the one-year devotional, God With Us. Find it now on keylife.org slash store. This is Pete Allenson, and if you're a guy, I want to show you how to recover and reclaim an intimate, growing relationship with your Heavenly Father. Check out Like Father, Like Son, How Knowing God as Father Changes Men. Available now at keylife.org slash store. Believer, I want you to remember that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And you will run out of sin before God runs out of grace. Grace, the real good news of the gospel. Find it now on keylife.org slash store. Thanks for spending this past hour with us. Uh, I'm excited to announce that our latest Key Life magazine is now available. And in it, you can find a picture of me skydiving. Have you seen this, Steve? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I make a point of not reading or (laughs) looking at anything Key Life produces, or I would be suicidal. Well. Uh, you, you can, by the way, you can get the magazine free, uh, right now by going to keylife.org slash free magazine. Was that a great time with Ray Orland? So good. He blows me away and, and he always has, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous and they're on to something. If you're drunk and you go to AA uh, you and when you introduce yourself, you are required to say, "I am Sam, and I'm an alcoholic," or "I'm Judy, and I'm an alcoholic." I've often thought that if we really wanted revival and renewal in the church, we would either require people to introduce themselves just that way: "I'm Sam, and I'm a gossip." I'm Judy, and I'm an adulteress. I am uh, Sarah, and I lie a lot. I'm Bill, and I cheated on my... That's not going to happen. It's really not. But alternatively, we could require people as a part of membership to wear a plaque listing their 10 greatest sins. And you say, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Well, you don't have to worry. Everybody's going to be trying to hide... Uh, what they've written on their plaque, so it would be okay. We might have a revival, and we're not going to do that either. But we can begin to move in that direction in the church. When you join the church, I don't know if you know this, you announce to the world that you have joined a club that shouldn't have accepted you. Who was it that said, I don't want to join a club that would accept me? Well, they accepted you, and you announced to the world that you uh, didn't deserve to be a part of it, and that's still true. And when you get that, it begins to fix a whole lot of things, and you dance better, and you sing, and you sleep better at night. 
It's how I became a spiritual gentleman. <laughs> Candy. I'm falling who's, asleep. <laughs> who's going to be here next week? Next week is going to be very, very interesting. We have a young, uh, well, not that young anymore, but a young man, John Alwinson, who is the son of Pete Alwinson, who is on the broadcast every Friday. And John's in sales and business and he has written a book, and it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's on how to be a Christian, and in the business world, in sales, and all that kind of stuff, it's just great. 